Hallelujah. Are you a servant of the Lord this morning? Amen. Are you a servant of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. We've been a servant to sin, hadn't we? Oh, come on now. Amen. And what better servant to be? Paul said, I was a bond to sin, now I'm bound to Jesus. Amen. I want to be bound to my cross. I want to carry that cross daily. Amen. If you will this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 31, as uh, Brother Mike told me of his uh, reasoning and things that's come about that he couldn't make it this morning. I just had to go into my sermon a little bit with him out there. The way just tease him a little bit. The Lord excited me about the Word today. Amen. And I just feel the Lord's going to talk to us, speak to us this morning. Amen. I need a Word from the Lord. The time we're living in, church, and the, and the shape of this old world, and now it's just crept in on the church, and it's the shape of the old church. Amen. We've lost a few battles. Amen. But we've not lost the war. Amen. There's still victory in Jesus. 1 Samuel chapter 31. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. I hope you have your sword with you. It's hard to go to war without your sword. Amen. I think I accidentally turned mine up trying to get hers up here this morning. Let's see right there. 1 Samuel chapter 31. I want to read all 13 verses of this chapter, but I believe the Lord's going to help us. Verse 1, the Bible says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Methshua. And Saul's son, and the battle went sore against Saul. And the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Let's remember, let's take notice in the book of Psalms that the Bible says that fiery darts of the enemy has come and compassed about me. And the Bible says in verse 4, Then said Saul unto his armor bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest the uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not do this, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword, and he fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword, and he died with him. So Saul died, his three sons, and his armor bearer. Notice a whole family, a whole few generations has passed in a moment's time. And all his men that same day together, and when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, these are our onlookers of Israel, people. These are the ones that's not in the war, but they're watching from afar off, Sister Bernice. The Bible says, And they that were on the other side of Jordan saw that the men of Israel fled, and that Saul his son was dead. And they forsook the cities and fled. And Philistines came and dwelt in those cities. And it came to pass on tomorrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul, his three sons, falling in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head, stripped him of his armor, and sent him into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols. They made a trophy out of Saul and his sons. And among the people, and they put their armor in his house of Astrid, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethstain. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead, when the remnant of the church heard of this, they went, which the Philistines had done to Saul. All the valiant men arose, went all night, took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethlehem. You're not using the old battles that where the church is lost into the school system prayer. We're not leaving you with these trophies. We're coming back for those old landmarks. Amen. And the Bible says, Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethstan and came to Jabesh and they burnt them there. And they took their bones. They give them a traditional funeral. They buried him under the tree at Jabesh and they fasted seven days. You may be seated. We look this morning and we find that Throughout the Old Testament, 
we find that there was almost always a battle going on. There's almost always a battle in our lives. There's very few times, Sister Annie, that we wake up and go through a week and then go to work, take care of our families, that we just don't face something. <coughs> that we don't face something that's so uh, detrimental to our soul. The enemy's trying to stop us each and every day. Amen. There's so much here in this one chapter to preach. There's many reasons that I could go on all day and for the sake of time. And for those that stomach growling already, amen, this morning we're not going to preach the whole book of Samuel. But there's so much to consider here because we can consider that there is a battle going on and we find that the children of Israel the first king of Israel has lost. There's always a battle between church and the hell. Amen. There's always a battle. We thank God and we stand on that scripture. Peter talked and he said, uh, by this revelation that you've gotten about me, Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank God because there's always a battle between the church and hell. We can also find that the leadership... They died by the sword. We can find that we live by the sword or we die by their sword. Amen? There's no other way around it. We're going to live by this Word or we're going to die by this Word. It's up to us individually. It's not up to those around us. It's not up to those that says, I'm not worthy to do this in the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm not worthy to sing or play or take up an offering or do the things for the Lord. But we can live by this sword. Amen. We live by the sword that convicts us. It cuts us. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. I thank God for the convicting power. It hurts. Amen. When that sword enters us and it cuts out the bad, but on its way out, it comforts us. Can you say amen? It heals. It constructs. It builds. Amen. We live by this two-edged sword, which is the B-I-B-L-E. Can you say amen? But we look and we can take notice this morning that Saul died by his own sword. Amen. We can live by the Word of God or we can be defeated. Amen. By the same words, the do's and the don'ts. We can turn and abstain from His mercy and His grace and we can go down and battle. We can forget the anointing, Brother Pickle, that God had given us a long time ago. and We can become innocent bystanders. We can stand afar off and we can look and say, there's no way the church is going to recover from this coronavirus. I mean, we know that over this time period, Sister Bernice, that two-thirds of the church left. And I can tell you, they're not coming back. But God gave me a revelation December 23rd in the middle of the night. He woke me up. Sister Ray, he said, those young people that crawled around the pews as children that the church has forgotten about, that teased on the back of the pews, that tore out hymnal pages, that trying to learn the, the ways of the church and did wrong sometimes. Uh, and they strayed away. God said, I'm going to bring them back. Amen. And I'm going to put the sword in their hand and they're going to be the army of the Lord. He said, I'm going to wash away the former things and I'm going to make them new again. These young people that you once knew that's not in the church anymore, now they're old. They have families of their own. They've gone on with life. And Jesus told me through the way of the Holy Ghost that night, He said, they're going to usher in the sincere presence of the Lord. Amen. They're going to battle for me. I thank God He's a resurrector. Amen. That He can take dead things. Things that's sinful things that we've even done to our own selves. Amen. And He can revive us because He is the resurrection and the life. Amen. We can go on through these things and we can find where the church, where Israel done right and they also done wrong. There's no perfect church. Can you say amen? We've all fell short 
of the glory of God, but it's something to be said about it being intentional. And another thing is that we fell short of the glory of God, but we can stand up, amen, through God who manifested Himself in flesh, died a cruel death, went into that tomb, took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave, come out a king of kings and a lord of lords, and said, don't you worry, I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father, but I'm going to send you back the Holy Ghost and Comforter. We find things live and they die by the sword. Can you say amen? We find in the book of 1 Samuel, if we had time today, we could go through the whole book and we could find that it began with the birth of a promise through a woman named Hannah that said, if you, God, will allow me to have a son, amen, I will take that son and I will commit them to the work of the ministry. The book of 1 Samuel, it started with the birth of Samuel and it ended 31 chapters later with the death of Saul. I want to take us on a, a missionary journey through the Word of God to give us an explanatory what the church has endured, what the church is going through presently and the only way to overcome adversity this morning. We look and we can find Samuel's mom saying, God, if you would just allow me to birth something I, I will use it for the spiritual good of the kingdom of God. We know that Hannah come and she gave that priest or gave Samuel to the priest Eli just as a child. We know the story that Eli said go get in the bed. It's time to go to bed. It's nine o'clock at night. We got an early day tomorrow. He wakes up three times in that night, Sister Wanda, hearing a voice Amen. The Bible says in chapter 3 that the words of God was precious in that time. That means there was no prophecy. There was no revival. There was no countings. There was no men of God, women of God standing up and preaching. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. The Bible says the words of God was precious. That means they were few and far between. We've seen those kind of times, Brother Luker, where we came to church needing a revelation from God of His Word. We need a fresh anointing. But the Bible says that He splayed back down and Eli said the next time you hear that voice say yes Lord. So I want you to understand that there's so many voices in the church that we don't know what is of the Lord and of the enemy. Come on say man. Everybody in this time has got a word from the Lord, but very few of them are living close enough to God to know what He's saying. Can you say amen? And the Bible says Eli was old in his days. The Bible says that his sons laid with harlots in the gates of the temple. Meaning those of his generation that he's going to hand this priesthood. He's going to hand this holiness unto He's going to hand this revelation, the walk of God. Thus saith the Lord, you're going to speak. You're going to have the oracles of God. You're going to be the mouthpiece, sister, people of God. And these boys, they wore the priestly garments, but they've done exactly what they've been preaching against. Come on now. Kind of like today's time. There's a lot of men. Come on now. That looks like preachers. Talks like preachers. They can preach like preachers. But very, very many of them, there's a lot of them in today's time that is not living, amen, or they're living what they used to preach against. Come on, say amen. They used to preach that narrow is the way and straight is the gate. Now the way is wide and you can get there any way you want to and just show up when you want to. Y'all get quiet. I'm going to preach this morning anyhow. We find that in this time that a small child is hearing from the Lord. A small child, someone unlearned, who probably hadn't even been to elementary school. Somebody who has never worked a job, Brother Josh, but yet he is hearing 
The Word of God. Amen. Here we find a seasoned man of God and he can't even tell this young man that that is not me. That's the Lord. Come on now. He said it may be the Lord. Next time you hear it, say, yes, Lord. Find out if it's Him because it surely isn't me. A man that does not have a Word of God. Church, I don't know about you. I'm your pastor, but I fall under a covering too. I need somebody I can go to and then have a word from heaven for me. Come on now, say amen. My Aunt Bernice, she's going ahead. Sister Bernice, she died a few years ago. Aunt Bernice, a godly woman. Brother Doug Chapman said there'd be times that he was crying out to God. For some reason, he felt a yearning to go to Aunt Bernice's house. And about the time he put his knuckles on the door, she said, son, come on in here. God done told me something to tell you. We need a generation church that rise up with the word of God on their tongue, ready to speak the oracles of God. Can you say amen? We find that not only Eli is now stricken with age, he's not only stricken with iniquity also. He is now living the things that he used to preach against. Get your house in order. Keep your things with the Lord in correction. Come on, say amen. The church still looks like the church. The priest still looks like the priest. But there's something in that temple that nobody has recognized. The candle has went out. That candle, that place of atonement, that candle burnt day and night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen. A representation that God was ever living, ready to make atonement. It was the place of sacrifice for one's sins. Now it is stricken with darkness. Sister Ray, it is a representation of today's time in the altar. The church still look like the church. We still sing hymns. We still sing praises. We know when the clap. We know when to stand for the reading of God's Word. But somebody has allowed the light to go out that burned for the atonement of man's sin. Come on, say man. If we aren't very careful, we're living in these pages of verse Samuel. The Bible says in those days in chapter 3 that that Word was precious. It means that Samuel began to minister for the Lord at a young age. It says as Eli was laying down that there was an error in the house of God. That light had went out in the house of the Lord. We need to kindle the fire upon the altar again. Can you say man? I seen a saying this week and said that we can have song service for an hour, we can preach for an hour, but we don't come to the altars more than ten minutes. We need to kindle a fire on the altar. Come on now. Eli allowed that lamp to go out in the temple. Though some would blame it on age, others would blame it on fatigue. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not as young as I used to be. Brother Josh Bohan and I can't do the things I could do when I was 18. But I still know how to pray. And I still know how to kindle the light that is on the altar. Come on, say amen. I can still be used by God to speak the word of the Lord. Can you say amen? They blame it on age. They blame it on fatigue. They blame it on work. They blame it on family. They blame it on their schedule, preacher. Don't get long. We got lunch at 12. We've always got an excuse of why the candle has went out on the altar. Come on, say amen. We find in 1 Samuel 2 and verse 22, the Bible says these words, And Eli was very old, and he heard that his sons did unto all of Israel, and how they laid with women and assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. I've been in many camp meetings and revivals. I've seen youth camps turn into nothing but dating services. 
Do you hear me? We didn't come to the house of God. I believe. Come on, say amen. I believe because I'm living it right now. Oh, I want to find my spouse in the house of God. Come on, say amen. But you better watch out for what is called unequally yoked together because in the end, it's the work of the devil. Can you say amen? Oh, Samuel said, I see my sons. They got some good looking ladies. Woo! They're bringing them to church. But what they're doing is not godly. I wish somebody helped me preach in here. And he looked and he said unto them, why you do such things? Come on now. Why have we done such things unto the house of God? Oh, while we satisfy this flesh, come on now, the candle, the fire has been out on the altar. Oh, Samuel speaks as James spoke in the New Testament in chapter 1 and verse 15. He says, When lust hath conceived, when lust have birthed, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. He speaks and He says, Do not err, my beloved brother. He's not speaking to the world because the world will do what the world is supposed to do. Come on now. What do sinners do? Sin. But what does godly people do? We do not need to err, my brother. Do you hear me? He says that every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and it cometh down from the Father of lights within whom is no variable needle shadow of turning. If we've ever needed something, we need the light on the altar to shine. A beacon, a lighthouse, of not only morality but the difference between right and wrong. Can you say, man? Something. Something's beginning to be birthed in the house of God in chapter 3 through the priestly family. We find that something is beginning to birth. It's supposed to carry out the work of God. But it's in within the works of iniquity. Eli and his sons are about to face the sword. I said you can live by the sword or you can die by the sword. Come on now, though something is dying, at the same time Hannah is giving birth to something that is going to live by the Word of the Lord. The Holy Ghost is about to move in the temple of the Lord again. Church, get ready. Revival is about to break out. Hear me speak the oracles of God this morning for those who are looking for a move of God is about to receive the exceeding and the abundance of God. I just hope they get saved, preacher. No, they're going to be raised in the house of God. And when they are aged, they will speak the oracles of God. Eli dies in the fourth chapter. His son, Hophnine, Phineas, they die by the sword. The prophet says, because what has been conceived in y'all it bringeth forth death, and you would die by the word of God. Phineas' wife, once he is dead, this is the son of the priest Eli. He came forth, this baby came forth. It comes forth from sin. Come on now. Lust, when it conceives, when it births, it births iniquity. We know it's a sign of death. Come on now. Come on now. Liberty in God. Freedom in God. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. But who is a captive of the devil? Who is a trophy of the enemy? He's going to dangle you as a trophy out in front of the church. Do you understand me? Look at that godly man. Look at that godly woman. They were raised in church. They raised their children in church. Come on now. But we find when Phineas, his wife, who come to have a baby, oh, she heard about 
about the same time, simultaneously, Sister Wanda, she looks and she says, I can't even look at what I've given birth to. She turns her back on that baby and she says, that baby's name is Ichabod. There's a lot of houses of God that we may not can physically see, but you hear the Word of God preached to you this morning. Jesus doesn't know above the door of a lot of churches that still got a steeple on top, still got a church sign out front. There's still cars in the parking lot, but they don't realize that they have been considered Ichabod, which meaning the glory is departed from the church. The Bible sees that that enemy watches the church. That enemy watches us defeat ourselves. Come on now. I'm going to preach something interesting to y'all. Is that alright? I'm going to preach anyhow. The Bible says the Philistine, the enemy, Sister General Lee, is watching the destruction from the inside of the church. Come on now. That They don't even have to do nothing. The enemy... Oh, Satan, oh, Lucifer, he gets a lot of blame for what we've done to ourselves. Amen. Oh, my goodness, how can preach it? Good preaching, brother. And we look, we look, brother Josh, and the Philistines say this is the correct time. They don't even know where the Ark of the Covenant is. Come on now. Eli has allowed it to go out. His children that's supposed to step up and take that church Grab the horns of the altar. Be prayer warriors. Fast. Eat the hollow bread off the altar. They are nowhere to be found. Sister Annie, they, I, it's no better time that the enemy can deploy the army and take over. And the Bible says they went down there and they got the Ark of the Covenant, the Philistines, and as they started leaving, oh, they began everyone who touched that Ark of the Covenant. I want you to understand, the church ain't perfect, come on now, but everybody that rises up against the church will not prosper. Can you say man? Oh, I hate to know the Bible says though they do not do right don't put your mouth don't put your hand on the anointed of God do their prophet no harm come on say man and those still signs they take the, the ark of the covenant they say well we're going to take it with a trophy come on now we're going to take the ark of the covenant we're going to take the church we're going to allow it to look like the church but we're going to render it power I want you to know the Bible says that every Philistine that stuck their hand into that ark, oh, they struck down, the Bible says, with hemorrhoids and tumors. You think that's funny. That's what the Bible says. Come on now. I've known people to rise up in a church. Come on, say, man. I had one preacher tell me I'm over in Mississippi. Pastor Sister One, huh? and a man come to him in the church and said, "You see me, brother Josh? I cut this light on every Sunday morning. You know, preacher, why I cut that light off every Sunday evening? Because this is my church. I want you to understand. It wasn't far after that that man got cancer and died. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, the word of God may be precious. We may be have very few men of God standing up but the church is still the church can you say there's death there's deception there's sinful conception in the house of the Lord we birthed a lot of Ishmael and never waited on the eyes we've tried to institute a move of God while the word of God was precious because we allowed the light to go out on the altar come on now this is where the enemy thinks he's just going to ravage and rage. He's going to institute and mandate. Come on now while holding on to the covenant of God. It's very important to know 
Just because the church isn't meeting the standard which God has set before them. It isn't the place it should be. Church, we're not in the place that we should be. Come on now. Say amen. Oh my, have you fallen asleep? Why can't you pray, pray an hour? Why can't you come to church two days a week? Come on now. Why can't you worship Him physically, financially, and spiritually? You holler roll tide. You say war eagle. But you cannot say praise the Lord. Oh, come on, say man. The church isn't in the place it should be. But be careful not to put your hands or your mouth on God's church. Come on, say man. The Bible says now Israel strengthened for a king. They said, Samuel, the last time our preacher got old, we he died and no one was there to take over. Samuel, you're old. You're 95 years old. And the Bible actually tells us his three sons is astray. Come on now. But there's a difference, ladies and gentlemen, when you can't control them kids and when you have control over them. Come on now. Say amen. We need a word, Samuel. You're old. We done heard you preach from Genesis to Revelations. We need a word. What we want is appearance. What we need is a word. Come on now. We come from the Bible Belt. And I told you Wednesday night, it's not too biblical anymore. We've allowed too many lights to go out in the temple. Come on, you go out of this church and it's freshly... Nice sign out there, and they say, Well, that's Brother John's church, that's Brother Joe's church. No, it's God's church. Come on now, they're looking for an image when what they need is a word. I don't care if you know my name, I just want you to hear the word of God. Come on, say man. I said, I don't know, I don't want to be representing the church, I want to be the mouthpiece that God speaks through in the church. We look farther in the Word of God in chapter 8. Samuel's getting old. His sons is backslidden. His son used to walk in the ways of God. Now they're doing the things of the world. The elder says, we need a king because your children is not capable of taking the throne. Your children is not capable of taking the pulpit. If it's ever been a time that we need to be praying for this generation that is behind us to get highly anointed and make the devil disappointed. It is now. We need a generation that arise up and say, I'll take up the sword. I'll take over where daddy left off. Come on, say man. In chapter 9 we find Samuel anoint Saul and Saul fathers tell him I want you to understand this Samuel go back down there you just got anointed at the church house you just got saved but we got to get our mind back on the things around the floor go down there and chase my asses it says that it says donkeys go and chase and the Bible says sister Annie that they never recovered Saul's daddy's asses do you understand they are chasing rebellion and they'll never catch it. That devil will dangle it right out in front of you until he leads you away. Come on, say man. Oh, the same Saul got anointed and the Bible said they looked around for him and they said, where is Saul? I can't find him anywhere. He's hidden amongst the stuff. Church, if there's ever been a time that we need to kindle the fire we need to put some of the stuff that we're hidden among on the altar of God. Oh, a sacrifice. This would be a time that sacrifice is good in Saul's life if he would lay those mules tied to the altar. Come on, say amen to me in this place. We go forward, we fast forward to chapter 15 and verse 3. The Bible says, Samuel said, go kill the Amalekites. Saul, don't you leave nothing 
alive. You kill every man, every woman, every child. This is going to come into play in a minute. Listen to me. He's chasing donkeys. He's in rebellion. And he says, go down there. You're doing wrong, Saul, but you're still the king. Don't leave nothing alive. Chapter 15, verse 3. You want to stay with me? The Bible says he come back. He's smiling. He's got a suit in his towel. And he's looking like a man of God. And somebody said, wait a minute. I hear. I hear sheep. But. I thought, preacher, the Bible said do it this way. But preacher, you've been doing it that way. But I'm trying to kindle fire. No, Saul, what you got is strange fire. What we need is holy fire. Man, I need somebody to help me preaching. My goodness. And this man says, look, I'm taking this stuff and I'm going to put it on the altar. He's got sheep. The Bible says that he hears the sheep. Come on now. He hears the sheep. Bleeding. That's what they the noise they make. Don't get, ask me how it goes. But they, he hears the sheep bleeding. Now, if he's wanting to lay an uh, offering, if he's wanting to sacrifice something, he should have took that stubbornness and that rebellion and put it on the altar a long time ago. Now, oh, we're that much further away from God. It's going to take more that sacrifice on Sunday. Come on now, it's going to take obedience seven days a week to get back in right standing with the Word of God. Saul's coming back and he's got trophies. Come on now, he's dangling their king, the Amalite king, in a cage. Oh, he kept him alive. Look what I got. Come on now, we better be fearful of that devil. I didn't say scared of that devil. Because if you allow that devil to live in your life, you're going to face him again. Come on now, he's hearing the bleeding of sheep. He's dangling their king up like a trophy. But I want you to understand, he's got the image, but he don't have the heart. Come on, say man, church. We look like the church, but our heart has left us somewhere among the sun. He has the image of a sheep. He hears it, but he's got the spirit of a mule. Come on now, he's still chasing something he'll never obtain. And he don't realize what he needs is in his very hand. Woo! I want you to understand, we church, we transition because the image has failed. There's a lot of people trying to change the face of the church. And we've lost heart in the church. Come on now. That tabernacle we're building over on Highway 80. Y'all listen to me. It's going to be one of the prettiest churches in the Mopolis area. Come on now. It's going to be beautiful. Brand new. It's going to smell brand new. No stains. Had its seats. Controlled temperature. Chemical singing. Good preaching. Good singing. Sister Jerry Lee going to click that stage and sing. Oh, what a day it will be. Come on now. But I can tell you something. It can be the prettiest cathedral you've ever seen. And if we act like Eli and Saul, come on now, and we forget the sword of the Spirit and the candle that which needs to burn on the altar, which is for atonement of our sin, it still takes living right. It still takes obedience. It still takes faithfulness. And those things comes from a man's heart being changed. Come on now, you can put lipstick and a suit and tie on a pig, and it's still a pig. You're going to have to take it over there and wash it, regenerate it. Come on, say amen to me. Oh, we're 
filthy. And we learned to fit an image. Come on now that we are the church without being a part of the church. The Bible says that Saul is chasing after rebellion after he got anointed. Come on now. The Bible says when David got anointed, he went back and felt dead as sheep. Do you hear me? Oh, the Bible says that Saul was supposed to kill all the Amalekites. And we find out later on that David comes home and the Amalekites have smitten Ziglag. If Saul would have done what David had to do, come on now, David wouldn't have to face what Saul should have done. Come on, church. Oh, come on. David kills Goliath without the face of a king because he went back and he learned how to keep sheep while his brothers wanted to have the image and the face of the church. Come on now. Scripture says he runs from Saul because of jealousy in chapter 21. He comes to the house of God. He goes in there and he says, I'm starving to death and I need a weapon. This is David running from Saul. Come on now, the church. We all not have folks running from us. Come on now, there ought to be an attraction. There ought to be a draw of the Holy Ghost. David walks in there with a people and he says, I'm starving and I need a weapon. He said, there ain't nothing here, David, but holly bread. There ain't nothing here. We, we got to get back to the altar of Eden. I know this might be boring some people, but I want you to understand that we've gotten good at running from the enemy, but we've forgotten that what we need is here on the altar. My God, I'm preaching this morning. What? And he says, I need a sword. All right, there ain't nothing but hollow bread. I'll pray, I'll repent, I'll get this thing right, but I still need a weapon. And he said, the only weapon in this temple is the sword that you cut Goliath's head off and it's wrapped in an ephod. That means i got to get separated from this world to understand what the sword of the Spirit can do for me. You live by this sword or you die by this sword. It's a shame, church, that it's came to one preacher against another preacher, one singer talking about another singer, one church running down another church. Saul is after David, but David spares Saul. Come on now. In the other words, David is saying, I can't kill him, though he deserves to die. He is still called of God. Sister one, David faces those Amalekites. He gets his family stolen because Saul should have killed those Amalekites when he had an opportunity. Oh, come on now. David is ready to lead, but he needs a few good men. And we find that in chapter 31, our text today, that even those standing around that is called Israel, but it's not in the war with Saul. They hear, they hear things. They hear what we do around here. Sister Pippa told me last night that that wedding, oh, there's people. They heard that church was packed last Sunday. Brother Pippa, Sister Pippa, I heard the church down there was packed last Sunday. Oh, no, but if we're not careful, we look around us and we think that that makes us rich in God. Come on now. But when the church is packed and the altar is empty, something has went out in the house of God. My God, my God. Come on now. David's needing some few good men. David needs some help. David is ready to leave, but he looks around and there's people forsaking the city. They've fled. They're running. Come on, Sister Ray. They're turned. They look and they say the Philistines have stripped and taken Saul's head as a trophy. They hung it in their temple. They hung it in, the Bible says, in the house of Asher, which was a false god. They sit there saying, oh, we got the church right where we want them. Come on now. I want you to take us to the New Testament real quick. Give me five minutes. I'll punish you. 
And Jesus is walking around and he's trying to gather sheep. And Jesus says, this one has one excuse. The other one has another. Come on now. And then one says, my father is going to die. He's not even dead yet. I need to go home and bury my father. I need to go home and take care of family business. I got work to do tomorrow, preacher. I'm hungry. It's lunch on Sunday. And Jesus looks at him and says, let the dead bury the dead. We need to have a funeral. We need to light the candle back on the altar again. Come on, say man. And we need to learn how to fast again all over. And the Bible says there was just a few inhabitants in Jesus. It was a holy city. It was a place that was known to have a temple and the word of God being active there. The Bible says that those heard the Philistine, what they had done to Saul, what they had done. And the Bible says there was a valiant few men that rose up. They went all night. Church, when's the last time that you stayed up all night? I says that little old David as 1 Samuel begins with a birth and ends in a funeral. See, that devil thinks he's killed off the church. But God has got a plan. Because he's got a little red head freckle face nobody wants him little boy learning how to keep sheep well, he ain't good for nothing but pushing a cheese wagon. The Bible says I'm raising up somebody that went fight, went for rocks. He said, I come to you, not with a spear or a sword, but with the word of the Lord. Oh, that same, same sword he finds in the house of God. It's wrapped up in the anointing. It'll teach you all things. Sister Bernice. It'll lead you in righteousness or holiness. And the Bible says when lust conceives, it bringeth forth sin. And sin is death. Oh, the enemies come to kill, steal, and destroy. But God's come to give life and life more abundantly. I want to ask you this morning, we know in the Old Testament, men, most of the time, men, humans. Is there any value? Men. Is there any value? Women. And I say, that church has run. They have fleed in fear. But I'll take the sword. Because the preacher, the new leader, he needs some warriors that will fight. Come on now, because there's been church and there's been things where we've left things living that God told us to kill. And they're coming back. Come on now, church. As they play this thing, whatever's on their heart this morning, is there any valiant men among us? Is there any valiant women among us? That will live by this sword. These altars will open. It's a only a call of salvation, but it's a call, Lord. A preacher, I'm living. I'm a Christian. I believe that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I've been standing by. 
I need to get back in the army. I need to get back in the fight. I want you to understand the greatest, the most courageous thing and the most visible thing you can do as a Christian is come to the altar. It's not just a place of salvation, but it's a place that we grow. It's a place that we light a candle on the fire upon the altar. We burn atonement. We give sacrifices. God, I'll give you time. I'll kneel down before everybody else. I'll stand up when nobody else will stand up. Will you come? Will you find your place and say, Preacher, I'll stand. 